If you've experienced a DNA surprise, you know that your emotions can range from shock to denial to grief to anger to confusion to joy and around again. And sometimes it's hard to find people who understand this unique experience. Sometimes we feel a little stuck as we navigate this journey. That's why we created the DNA Surprise Retreat. At the DNA Surprise Retreat, you'll enjoy six expert-led sessions to help you process your DNA surprise. You'll eat delicious catered meals, and most importantly, you'll build beautiful friendships with people who understand you, all in a stunning private ranch facility in the Arizona desert. If you've had shocking DNA test results, know that you're not alone. This retreat is for you. Join us September 19th through the 22nd, 2024 in Phoenix, Arizona. Registration is open now. Reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. And all the things that I've done, everything I do revolves around talking to him each day now. And it's not replacing anything. I have a wonderful life. It just completes me. It just makes me feel good. And it, you know, and I know it'll probably mean off a little bit because now it's new and I have so many questions. And, and he'll say, I had a phone picked up twice today and I was going to call you and I changed my mind. And I said, you don't change your mind. Like, call me. It was only for a minute. It just lets me know that you're thinking about me and I'm thinking about you. Imagine spitting into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. As traumatizing as DNA surprises can be, there are often silver linings. In this week's episode, Rose shares how she felt different from her family her entire life and finding out that she was an NPE made things make sense. She also shares her journey in uniting with her biological father and how that relationship is progressing. Thank you for sharing your story, Rose. Uh, my name is Rose Marie. I, am, I will soon be 55, and I'm from Newfoundland. Most of my life, I've kind of felt that there was something missing. There was something not right. Um, I always have many questions in my head, but afraid to ask. I grew up in a home that um, wasn't necessarily the best home. It was kind of a home that I, I felt I wasn't uh, a child that was wanted in the sense of the loving home. And uh, my parents were married. 
after I was born. And it seemed to be something that was kind of, he was talked into. And he, he, he always made sure that in arguments they would have that it was brought up that he didn't know if I was his and say things to my, my mom. And, and she was very strict with me. And a lot of times I would, we call it in New, in Newfoundland, a trimming kind of thing and, and wouldn't tolerate anything and was very angry all the time and would blame him for things that sometimes to me, it was a lot of things that wasn't so. So that went on like most of my life that I can recall. And so it all, I always questioned it. And I always knew that she had gone away around the time that she got pregnant. Uh, I knew that she was in Ontario around that time as well. And I even questioned my aunt at some point, who I was very close to at the time, and asked her, you know, is it possible that somebody else is my father? Well, you have to talk to your mother. And I was kind of afraid of her. I, I really didn't want to bring anything up. And, and because, like I said, she was pretty strict. And those things just weren't talked about. So as an, as an adult, I always had questions and I was always a bit different. I'm very upfront person. I'm very, uh, I call it as I see it. And my families weren't like that. I didn't see many characteristics, even though they would say I look like my mom. I didn't see it. It was just the light hair I had at the time and glasses and stuff. And I just, it just, I wasn't feeling that I was part of the families. And I felt there were secrets. Did you have any siblings that you grew up with? No. I had one adopted brother. I was 12 years old when we adopted him. And so I never had anybody to compare myself to or, um, you know, and I, even that, I felt that he, he was treated a little better than I was, even though he was adopted. And I was like, I, I don't understand that. Like, how can, and every little girl wants to be daddy's little girl. That's, that's how I felt. And I was never that, even though my mother would say I would chase him everywhere, you know, when I was small and stuff. But I don't recall a lot of that. And I don't recall ever being hugged and kissed and, you know, sitting on daddy's lap and, you know, daddy loves you and, and that kind of stuff. Like, it was never that. And I guess every little girl wants that in the end, you know. And so as I had my own children and that, it became even more so. It was like, how can you have a child and not feel, I don't care if it's biological or not. How can you have a child in your home and raise them and not be more loving, more, you know, like how can you not show that you love them? You, you become attached to them. Yeah, it's, it's just natural. It is. If you have any kind of big hurt at all, it's to me, it's natural. And then in 2009, uh, I went into a gentleman's house with a friend of mine. And him and his wife were there. And when they found out where I was from, because, I mean, it was a small area I was from. And when they found out who I was, she looked at her husband and said, do you realize this could be your daughter? And I just about fell off the floor, onto the floor from the stool. I mean, I would never, I thought it, but I would never expect it would just come to mind like that, like that it would just come in my face like that. Yeah. So how did you end up in this person's house? Did you suspect that this was your father? No, or? no, no. It was just a, it was a, a, the lady's son. 
it was this gentleman's stepson. And I was just in there was Christmas or something. And I was there with him. And it's just conversations. And when she found out my last name and who I was, she just blurted it out. And that's her knowing her now. It's just the way she is. And this man believed, for, I was 41 years old at that time, and he believed for 41 years that I may be his, and I never knew it. My mother apparently went with him around the same time that she went with my birth certificate father now, the one that raised me. And apparently everybody told him that I was his all those years. And it's um, very... I don't know, gut-wrenching, I guess. And it was a good thing. You know, I felt good about it. It was it was a shock, but I felt good. And um, so then they explained everything to me. And his his he wasn't going with the lady he was married to then. And when he came, when they started talking and telling me things, he remembered every detail. He remembered when he was with her. He remembered where they were. He remembered everything. But she had gone away. The month that she got pregnant, she, was, she went away. And when she came back home that fall, he asked her. She said she was pregnant. And he said, is it mine? And she said, no. But everybody else questioned it. And his whole family thought that I was his. And he said he never, ever bothered because he thought I had a good life growing up. And he didn't want to interrupt that. And he would, his wife told me that he used to cry in the nighttime because he used to think that I was his and he felt he only had two sons and he felt that he was missing something. Wow. Back then, which is 2009, they didn't do DNA tests like they do now, like we couldn't, like we did. He uh, sent for a DNA test, him and his wife, she's big, she was very, very supportive and and wanted him to find out for sure and to me we were very similar like things that we did and all that and I guess you look for it because now you're like oh wow somebody really wants to be my dad you know like and no matter what age like I said you always want that and so they sent away to Winnipeg and got the test come and we had it done and when the day came that it came back through email they got her the two sons knew of me. I didn't know anything of them. And they came to his house and we read out the results and they came back negative. And he was absolutely uh, uh. devastated. I was devastated. I couldn't even keep going back there, even though they were such wonderful people. I felt such a loss. It was just, I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way twice now. Like, you know, it's, it's not right. So in the process of that, I told my mother, and she absolutely lost her mind. Why would you even think that? Why would you even go there with that? And I said, because I have doubts. Well, I don't know. Do you think that I would put up with everything I did to keep you in a home with your father for that, for you, you know what I mean, to go through everything I did if he wasn't your father? So then you're feeling guilty. Then you're really like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'm doing this, and it's wrong. And, and she made sure that I knew I was wrong and that all these years I questioned her, you know, and, and felt bad about it. And I did, I felt really, really torn about it. And so I, I went on about my business and her and I have had a very odd relationship in the adult years more than anything. And sometimes we go through periods that we don't talk. She's very controlling. She's a very controlling person. And if I could say nar narcissistic, 
that would be an explanation. And anybody that's going through this, I've read through all the DNA surprise things online, and I associate so much to everybody. And you're you're the guilty one. You're made feel as though you're the one to blame for all this. And every time my father would hit her, uh, I'm only here because of you. So I took all of that to heart, and I grew up with that thinking every time that he hit her, and every time that she got mad and slapped me, well, then it was my own fault because I'm the reason that she's here. So I kind of left it. We talked, you know, we, we kind of rekindled that little mother-daughter thing for a few years. And uh, I met my second husband and he was very supportive. Couldn't understand a lot of stuff I was going through. I went back to counseling. He even went to counseling with me because he grew up totally different than I did complete opposite from what I did and I wanted that so much and his mom and dad had passed and I used to say oh my god if I could have only met them you know I could get that feeling so Christmas two years ago um he gave me a DNA test for Christmas and I was so excited it was just before Christmas he gave it to me and I COVID was around that time so it took a little longer to get it back and I got it back and None of my family, I was always told I was French because of my last name. My my father's birth certificate father came from New Brunswick. And there's nothing, not a thing. I said, well, okay, so what am I going to do now? No one's coming up. Somebody has had to do the test. Does not that, that didn't seem sensible that they didn't. So you didn't have any matches? None. None. And the ones that I thought were were the last names that... I had no clue who they were. The one that was very close to me would have been a cousin. And I thought she was my mother's brother's daughter. Her name was similar. And I thought, because he had her before he was married. And I thought, oh, well, that's who that is. So I kind of left it to the wayside. And then there was a young man that came up, his last name. And I contacted him through every Facebook account that I could through the DNA, you know, ancestry thing and no response, no response. And I got my cousin that I grew up with, which she's not my cousin now, but I guess will always be. I asked her to do a test for me so that I could confirm that I'm not related to the dad that raised me. And she said, not a problem. So she did it. And it came back and in February or March, I think March, somewhere around there. And she called me and she said, are you sitting down? And I said, well, actually it's really early. I'm laying down. I'm still in bed. She said, you're no relation to me. And I was devastated. I mean, because now I knew that she had lied all this time and she had every opportunity to finally tell me the truth. And with everything we went through with the other gentleman, we kind of rekindled a little bit. And I'm thinking, like, you lied, you lied, you lied. You didn't even have the, the courtesy or the decency or respect to come forward. To You had every chance to tell me. Mm-hmm. So I called her. I found her number because she had moved from one place to the other. And I called her and uh, I just said, I want to know who my father is. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I want to know who my father is. You picked a fine time to call me about this. You've never been nothing but trouble since I had you. And I said, this is not about pitter-patting back and forth. This is about me knowing 
that the man that raised me is not my father and I want to know who it is. Well, who's coming up on your ancestry? And I told her. So she gave me, she, I asked her a couple names because there, it's a very common name. And I had heard that it might be one guy, but she said, no, she said, and she told me his first name was Rex. And I said, okay. So then I had to try to find out all this information. And I knew the community he came from. It was just finding out. And I did have friends down there. And, but it was just a process you really want to be sure. But just before that, I kind of jumped ahead because I thought it was one gentleman. And my husband knew his daughter. He had died. And my husband had known the daughter. And he contacted her. And she had had a test done for me. And he wasn't. Okay. And this gentleman, we had heard, had a child from somebody around where my mom was from. Um, so it ended up being just one big bust. There was nothing. I mean, I, she, I kind of upset her trying to find out my information. You know, she was very forgiving and very, and she wouldn't tell her mom until she was sure. And I'm glad for that. But I felt I needed to know. And I had every right to know. And so when she gave me the name Rex, then I kind of started. And I can't say me. I'm saying I investigated it all. I didn't. My husband spent night after night, hour after hour after hour. He had so many obituaries. And I'm sure a funeral home don't have as many as he had trying to find this out for me because he knew how much it meant to me. Um, and in the process, actually, he found a cousin of mine that was looking for his mom. He was given up for adoption in Ontario and is from where my birth father is from. And we had a reunion with them this last fall and some of my cousins. So I got to meet all of them before I've actually got to meet my birth father. So they were very welcoming. We've had a great reunion with them. And he flew home from Ontario, met his biological family. And it's a wonderful, wonderful family. That's amazing. I heard a lot of negative and I heard some positive. And you get that fear that I don't know if I really want this person or that side of the family in my life. Because at my age now, I've been through so much turmoil that I don't know if I can handle it anymore. And so what were some of the things that you were worried about? Some of them are um, not the best characters. They've been in trouble and, you know, there is, some of them are into drugs and stuff. And that happens in all families. I know that. But sometimes you only get that side of it. You know, it's like negative things. You only hear that. You don't hear all the positive. And I kind of didn't know what to do. So I found his number. He was living with his brother and his brother's wife. And he had come home from Ontario. He lived in Ontario most of his life and raised two children and was married and divorced. And I found his number, his, his brother's number, actually. And I called it. Took everything in me to call. And I asked for him and his brother got him on the line and I told him who I was. And I said, you know, it's a possibility that you're my father. No, my love, it couldn't be me. And I mean, I just didn't know what to say, what to do. It was his work. You know, I had the DNA. I had, at that point, I knew that his niece was related to me. 
I had spoke to her on Facebook and on the DNA thing, but they weren't really close or so I thought. And she said, well, what do you want from me? And I said, well, nothing really. I just wanted to know if you knew anything about them, you know, and she didn't really. So that's when I decided to call them myself. I just said, well, apparently, you know, this is what happened. And the weekend that you were with her, this is what happened. And you picked her up at a train station, which she had told me that little bit of information. And she went up to stay with her brother in Ontario and his wife. And back then in the 60s, they partied all weekend. And apparently that's when I was conceived. But it was all a time frame from when she was in Ontario and Newfoundland. So maybe she really didn't know. I, I don't know because I haven't spoke to her since. You know, I guess I've mellowed a little bit since it all happened and times are different then from what they are now. So do I forgive her? Not really. And I know I'm going to need to in order to move forward. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. I just hung up and I, I sat down and I wrote him a letter and I sent the letter to him. And I said, I'll wait for you to get in touch with me. I said, you know, it's your call. I said, I want nothing from you. I just want to know who you are. And I told him about the situation with my mother. And apparently I, I put in a joke there that I guess you were, it could have been a number of people, but you were the lucky one kind of thing. And the luck of the draw, because apparently that's what I said. I don't remember saying that. And I left it. I just, that was last year. And I left it. And I sent a Christmas card this year, actually. And I had been given pictures through the family that I know now through the reunion. And his mother, I looked like his mother. And I had a picture done of myself and her side by side. And I sent it to him in the mail. And he got it just before Christmas this year. And I said, you know, I hope you realize that I am your daughter. Because I said, I hope you see the resemblance. I said, all I wish is you have a good Christmas and a good New Year. And I just signed at me. So uh, around the 22nd of December, um, I was at one of the stores where I live, and the phone rang. And it was an Ontario number, and I wasn't going to answer. So, yeah, maybe I should, you know, and so many scams and stuff. And I answered the phone, and he told me who it was, and I just about fell on the floor in the store. And my daughter-in-law was with me and I'm trying to reach out for her to tell her and I'm trying to grab her by the shirt and I lose all my stuff out of my arms. And she looks at me and I just mouth the words that it's my father. And she went to get my husband and my son and I'm in the corner of the store about an hour talking to him and he's apologizing for not getting in touch with me. And he said, I knew, he said, after you hung up that conversation, he said, I knew that it was a possibility. He said, but I guess you really don't want to admit it. And he said, the, his sister-in-law used to say to him, did you call that lady yet? Did you call that lady yet? And he said, no, I will one day. I will one day. And he did. And from about the 22nd to today, we talk every day, sometimes twice a day. It's the best feeling in the world. It's out of all the turmoil and all of the, I haven't met him because of COVID. I'm about five and a half hours away from him. And he just wants to meet me and I just want to meet him. And he's such a sweet person. And in going back to about his family, yeah, there's some that are. He's not one of them. He's a very kind man. 
very gentle. Um, I don't sense any reason other than him wanting to get to know me. Personality-wise, I think we're a lot alike. It's just been so positive. It's been such a wonderful Christmas. I didn't get to see my children. And this doesn't replace any life that I have. Now I have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful husband, two great children, and their spouses. It just completes my life. My heart is so full. I can't tell you. I'm so happy I for you. I just hope that nobody gives up. Don't give up. Hopefully it'll come. I didn't think it would. He's 75 years old now. So I'm just waiting for COVID to let up so I can go see him. And, you know, and I know that he has no family. Um, one son has passed away and one he um, doesn't have much contact with. He's in Ontario for personal reasons. You know, he doesn't have much contact with him. And he's never had a daughter. And where he lives is only his sister-in-law. His brother passed away last year. So who knows, maybe he'll move out where I am. And we've talked about that. So that's kind of up in the air. It's, you know, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. Oh, I am so happy for you. Congratulations. What are some things that you've learned about him? And have any of those things put some pieces together for you in terms of who you are as a person? It has. And and I've learned that... um, he never knew about me. Like he never, ever had contact with my mother after. Um, so it wasn't like, oh, well, she's pregnant and I'm not, I don't know of his mind, so I'm not going to be around her kind of thing. It was just a weekend thing. It wasn't something that was ongoing. Uh, he stayed in Ontario and she came back to Newfoundland. So it wasn't like he saw her somewhere down the road and could question, you know, okay, well, she's got a baby this age. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not a funny person, but I'm very sharp. I'm very quick. And we say things back and forth to each other and we laugh and joke about it because I can, I can hear it. I can hear myself. Um, I love trucks. I love trucks. I love, I'm, I'm kind of tomboyish. He's always had a truck. Um, it's the little things that you, and things that he I love lobster. I and a lot of Newfoundlanders do, but I've never had uh, like I mean I'm like that's my favorite, and it's his favorite. He like he said you, you, nobody can put them in front of me that I couldn't eat them. Well, that's what I'm like, and it's little things that you you keep in your mind because you're like that's like me, and you don't want to keep saying it to him. It's like me. You sound like me. You have reactions like me. He's a very thin man. My son is very thin, which, like, he, we don't know why. He's very tall and thin. That's what he's like. I'm more like his mom, like my grandmother, in the sense of shorter and, you know, a chunkier kind of person. But I think his personality is a lot like my son is a lot like him. So it's nice to see that. It's nice to, this, you know, the sad part is, is that my birth certificate's family i i've had one aunt and uncle that i was fairly close to and every time i'd bring it up to her as an adult it would be like oh go on don't be so silly you're just like their last names right and the sad part is is that you lose family because of this when i found out that i wasn't uh, my bio you know, my birth father birth certificate fathers i posted on facebook because i had nothing to hide 
And I felt that I had every right to say what I wanted to say, who I, who wanted to listen. If they didn't want to listen, they could delete me. I really didn't care at that point. And I didn't say anything nasty. I just said that my father wasn't my father. Do you know that they don't even speak to me? They have never messaged. And I was very close to them. So all of your birth certificate father's family doesn't speak to you anymore? I have an aunt in Alberta that she speaks to me, you know, but this particular aunt and uncle, I was very close to. And they've never messaged me to say, actually, it got to one point that I just took them off my Facebook. They would never message. They would ne- And it's her more than it is my uncle. And she was one of the people that always said, oh, you're just like so-and-so. Don't you be so silly and, and all that. And I used to say, no, I don't feel that. And it's almost as if they knew. Like, that's what I take from it. It's like, did you really know? And now that I found out the truth, you're feeling guilty? Like, I don't understand that part. I don't know if anybody else's families have been through that. Yeah. I think people behave so strangely in these situations. I've definitely personally experienced it where people that I thought would be more supportive and check in don't say anything. And I do. And they were people that knew. And so I think that there's a shame. There's a shame there that makes them hide. Now, does your birth certificate father know? Yes. I contacted him. Uh, and like I said, we didn't have the best relationship. Um, it, it's because of the way I grew up. And I kind of, it, it was very toxic. And I, as an adult, I decided to keep distance. And, um, you know, and I mean, he provided everything for me other than the emotional. He provided a home. He always worked. I didn't do without in the sense of, you know, I didn't have everything, but that's fine too. That just made me work harder myself. But it was a very abusive home. And I just walked away from it kind of thing. You know, I don't wish any ill will or anything like that. But when I did find out, actually, my husband called him. I couldn't. And he just told him, he said, you know, you were right. Um, Rosemary is not your daughter. He said, I just thought you should know. And he was like, okay, thank you for calling. But he's never made any contact after. Um, My son lives in the same community as he does, the same town. He's still in contact with my son. He's never questioned anything to him. My son is his grandson. But I also have a daughter, and he treats her the same way he treated me. And he has no contact with her. She pretty much means nothing, and she never has. So my wish is that my father that I found that I have is accepting of her like he is of me. And I think that's going to happen for her. That's my prayer, is that she finally gets the grandfather that she deserves because she's a good woman. She's a good girl. And my son is too, but it's always been the boy thing. And like I say, we adopted my brother, and he kind of took the place of, I guess, of the boy kind of thing, right? And mm-hmm. I was just to the wayside anyway. So, it, you know, it's, it's a good thing out of a bad thing. And I try not to go back. Other than talking to you right now, I try not to go back down those roads because it's just too painful. 
And I'm just waiting for me to go see them so that then my children can come the next day, right? And, and meet them so that, and my, and my son will have a relationship with them, but I really want my daughter to finally have, because her other grandfather on her other side has passed away. So I'm hoping that this is going to make up a lot for her. That's wonderful. Have you confirmed with your mother or have you just not spoken to her since that last conversation? No. Okay. I haven't spoken to her since. Um, It's, but it's confirmed. I mean, I went back through the DNA and uh, I I, uh, got the assistance of a DNA angel when I had Rex's name and, but I didn't tell her his name. I gave her access to everything. And she came back and told me his name, also told me he had one brother, his brother's name. And she said, because it's brothers, it could be either one, but the other brother was nowhere in Ontario. He was, he was married and living where he was living. And so it wasn't him. Yeah. So it sounds like your husband has just been so instrumental in helping you through this process. What other things did you find have been helpful to you as you learn this information? I know that you kind of knew it your whole life, but once it was confirmed, what things have helped you accept it and heal and process? I guess having the conversations with him now each day. I don't know if a lot of people feel like this, but I would look in the mirror and I would never feel good about myself. I And my husband would tell me, you know, you're beautiful and all the things that, you know, a husband does. But I couldn't feel that. I couldn't see who I was. And I don't think anybody can understand that unless they go through it. It's once I had my grandmother's picture, it was like, oh, my God, like, it's me. It's going to be me as I get older. And knowing that somebody wants to be in your life. You put it, you have a different perspective on things. Like this Christmas has been probably the best Christmas. And it's because I can finally feel complete. Yeah. So it does so much for your inside. It it gives you this feeling that somebody actually wants to be part of your life. Have you heard of genetic mirroring? No. So it... It's basically what you're talking about. And it's it most often is applied to adoptees because they're adopted by, you know, both parents. Right. But it's about how important it is to see yourself in your family and how being able to do that gives you a strong sense of self-confidence and self-worth and all of the things that you're just talking about. And then when you finally do see your biological family it's like something clicks and it's it's just it's very important for your sense of self to see yourself in the people that you're around when you're growing up so yeah I completely I understand, understand that. I didn't know there was a name to it but that's how I felt that's how I feel right it's it may, gives you a whole different perspective because I was always trying to see myself in and I do have my mother's family I know I do have certain traits but um, they've, and, and since all this has gone on, nobody speaks, no, none of her family has reached out to me whatsoever. So I feel that most of them knew. How do you feel about that? It hurts. It hurts. 
Um, my mother and I go different periods of time throughout the years that we don't talk. And it's almost as if when we don't, that's when her side of the family don't bother with me at all. Um, and I tried on numerous occasions to be in touch with my cousins. And a few years back, one of my cousins tried to be in touch with me. And I was to the point in my life that I really didn't need them. I had gotten over what I needed to get over. And I just, uh, don't bother me. Don't bother with me, please. Like, I, I didn't want them in my life. But I do have aunts that I grew up with. I mean, I was very close to. And none of them have reached out. Not one. Knowing how I grew up, because every one of them knew it and wanted my mother to leave for years, um, they didn't know how hard my mother was to me. I know that. And it's funny because maybe there was good times, but as a child, you only remember the bad stuff. That's the sad part. It outweighs the good. And I can't change that. I can't take that away from my mind. I can't. I've had counseling and I've just learned to deal with it. And really, I can't say it's not my last, but I think it's their last too, because I'm a good person. I wouldn't do anything to hurt anybody intentionally. I've made mistakes, many, and a lot of it had to deal with not knowing who I was and where I came from, and I felt I was being lied to. And I'm quite satisfied with my life right now. I've never been more content than I am right now. Touching on that, how do you think it affected you growing up and into your you know, early adulthood, having that uncertainty about your father? It played a big role, uh, definitely, because you, you're always missing something. It doesn't matter how, like, I didn't do without much. Like I said, Christmas time especially, I recall, was always lots. and But you miss that connection with both parents really because I always felt as though not that I wasn't wanted but it was like I was a hindrance it's like they were put together and they really shouldn't have been together and I've come to find out that my birth certificate's father kind of talked him into marrying her and back all those years ago I mean to be a single parent and have a child uh was a big deal so she was probably lucky that he did in that sense, because if she had been, with, you know, she was with Rex and she couldn't reach him anyway. I don't think that they kind of knew she kind of would know where he was back then. It wasn't cell phones and like mm -hmm. everything it is now. Right. And like I say, I mean, I guess forgiveness will come, but it's. You're missing something. I don't know. And I can't explain. Like there's a lot of people that have had relationships with their birth certificate father that has been wonderful i've read stories probably the best thing could have happened to them was being raised by another man because some of them are not really great and maybe she my mother made the best choice that she thought she could make at the time not knowing what this man was about and all that you know only being with him a short time but uh, sometimes I feel I would have been better off if I was given up for adoption. And so sad as that sounds, that's how I feel. And I can't change those feelings. Yeah. Um, it wasn't yeah. really, uh, as a child, I didn't have much of a childhood. Even though it was only me for 12 years, I, I still, there was so much that I missed out on. And I remember going to my friend's house. There was, she had three sisters, so there was four girls. 
And they had an awesome mom and dad. And I used to not want to go home. I wanted that. But I didn't have it. And I guess you try to fill it in. Even though you don't realize at the time, you try to fill in the void. Right? Right. And I, and I, even through counseling, it was, you know, well, the little girl inside, you missed something. So now you have to fill that role. You have to uh, do everything for that little girl. Right. And I never treat my children the way that I was treated. So you do learn and you do things differently. You break the cycle. You do what you have to do. And I am who I am and I can't change that, you know, and... I, I don't know if I'd want to change it right now because I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be married to who I'm married to. I wouldn't have the two children that I have. And I now I wouldn't have the father in my life that I've wanted. So it all said and done. There's always at the end of the road, you know, and, and I hope nobody gives up. I don't because I didn't. I, I kind of left it and I kind of just... You know, I, I'm kind of persistent and my father laughs now when I say that and he's like, no, and I get a real <laughs> chuckle out of it. Right. And I says, aren't you glad that I was though? And it's that kind of a relationship. We laugh back and forth and I just can't wait to meet him. And I hope everybody gets the same result. I really do. I guess it's the what ifs. No matter what you do in life is what ifs. What if I had chosen this road? What if I had done that? What have I done this for my career, you know? But we can't keep going back to that because then right. that only takes you backwards and you can't go backwards. All the wishes in the world, if you could change, you can't. So and that's until you accept that, that's the only way you're going to move forward. Yeah, exactly. So looking towards the future, what what is your hope with your birth father? I'm hoping within the next little while to, we've had a lot of COVID cases here in the last couple of days, which even last year when it was full force, we didn't have cases like that. And like I say, my, my daughter is at long-term care in her city and she's now probably positive. So I was glad that I didn't go in, you know, to her place. But my hope now is as soon as this lets up, um, I'm going to go in and visit them. And my children are going to come visit them the next day. And we're going to form a bond that's only just going to continue with what we have started. Um, I'm hoping possibly that he may move into the town where I am. You know, not with me, because I don't want that. That's He has his life and I have mine. But it's near so that I can, he's into a senior's complex. And there's senior's complexes here. I do home care. And so maybe he'll move here. And I'll help, we'll help him move here. We've already sent a big package to him and he's all overwhelmed about what's in it. And it's even pictures of when I was a little girl that I we've had done off and sent a little album to him. And so there's a lot of things that he needs to catch up on and a lot of things that I need to catch up on. And that's going to be, you know, we're going to continue with our lives and do what we're doing and work and all that, my children. And, and but he's going to be a part of that. That's wonderful. Do you have any hope about the relationship with your mother? Um, I don't think we'll ever have a mother-daughter relationship in the sense of when I let stuff go and go back to where we were. 
Um, I think eventually I'll forgive because I need that for me, not really necessarily for her. I'm trying to understand her position back then. I'm trying, it's just continual lies. And I think if she can get past the lies and come clean with everything that happened, there may be a sense of, okay, that's my mother and not feel that ugly feeling that I feel. Cause I don't want that. Cause no matter what, she still raised me, no matter how she treated me, she's still my mother, but I don't, I'm trying to get past it. And it's really hard. And I know that other people are trying to, and I, I, I feel bad that, and some can get past it and, and never have an issue with it. It must be awesome feeling to be able to do that. I wish I could. I don't, I don't know when that'll happen. No more than I knew when he'd get in touch with me. So I'll just take it day by day and, and see how it goes. You know, I'm, I'm open to stuff more now than I was. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I don't wish her any ill will. I don't wish anything bad for her. I, I would just hope that she would get some satisfaction out of knowing that I finally have the answers that I was searching. And I just wish that she would have come forward herself when all of it started. As I became an adult, she had many opportunities to tell me. I wish she, wish she had. Yeah. What advice would you give a parent who might be keeping a DNA surprise from their child? And I mean, it depends on the age of the child, too. I mean, if it's a young child and you feel that it's probably the best for them, I guess it's better to wait. But I, I don't, lies just multiply. It just hurts in the end. It's going to hurt no matter what, it's when you tell them. But I think when they're old enough and they're capable in their mind of kind come to terms, I, and I know they're afraid they're going to lose them and afraid that things are going to blow up in their face, and they may. They may. I mean, you've lied from the beginning for whatever reason, but they deserve to know. Every child deserves to know, and eventually they're going to know because DNA doesn't lie. It, to me, it's about selfishness. Don't be selfish. You might have to be selfish in the beginning because you didn't know what was going to happen and you, you kind of took the road that you thought was going to be less turmoil. And, but you got to come clean. You have no other choice because when they find out, and it's even worse if you've passed away and they find out. I've been reading so many stories online about they have no resolution. They just have questions and they're the rest of their life now not knowing. So I, I think it's just selfishness and I think it should come forward. And what advice would you give someone who just discovered a DNA surprise? Breathe. Breathe. Just sit back and let it absorb. You know, don't jump the gun. Just sit back and wait just a little bit because it's such a shock. You will be days crying. You will be days you're angry. You'll be days you're, you don't know what to do. But do what's in your heart. If you feel you need to move forward, do it. If you need to wait a while, do that. Every person is different. What affects me might not affect you. But don't give up. Like don't if you feel that you need this to complete yourself, I, I tell you it's gonna answer a lot of questions for you. 
because to me, anybody that knows there's something missing, there's something missing. Absolutely. If you feel that you don't have the right answers and that somebody is not telling you the truth, go with your gut feeling because it'll never serve you wrong. And I didn't. I always knew. And I think most of the people will agree with me that there's something missing. And hopefully it's a good thing. Hopefully it's positive. You know, if it's not, well, then you, I guess you'll have to deal with it whatever best way you can. And if it's counseling, go to it. Don't feel ashamed because you have to go to counseling. They bring so much into your life that you don't even realize and how to deal with things. I don't know where I would be without it. That's great advice. Well, Rose, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it was a difficult one, especially in your childhood, but I'm so happy that it's taken a positive turn. And I wish you nothing but the best as you move forward and build this relationship with your father. Thank you very much. I I appreciate you letting me take part in this because it does help. Anything that you do with regards to this and talking about it, it helps. Thanks again to Rose for sharing her story. If you have a DNA Surprise story that you would like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time.